This is going to be a little different uh, message tonight, most are. Sunday I talked about uh, uh, it's dangerous to drift. And I read the whole chapter of Hebrews 1. And the whole chapter of Hebrews 1, it talks about the the majesty of Jesus. It talks about the supremacy of Jesus. It talks about, you know, basically that without the word, nothing was made that we see. So everything um, is, is... is, is done by the word, and Jesus is the living word. So the first chapter, it just makes Jesus first and foremost. It's all about the Lord. There's no commands to us. There's no duties stated to us. There's no Christian principles or any applications we need to make in that chapter because it's all about Jesus. Jesus has all authority Jesus is the will of God, and it just goes on and on and on. So we would get it that he is most important, and he everything revolves around him. So, of course, our Christian life should revolve around him. And so chapter 1 tells us who, who Jesus is. So chapter 2, first verse, will be easy for us. You know, if you know who Jesus is and you put him in the right place in your life, life will be easy even when life is hard. You'll keep your peace. You'll keep your joy. You'll have the power and the strength and the endurance that you need uh, to do life accordingly. And so I'm going to read again Hebrews 2, verse 1, and it says right here, for this reason, and that word could also be therefore, It's kind of connecting the dots of the first chapter to the second chapter. For this reason, or since, or because, we must pay. Y'all know what what pay means? It costs you something. You buy groceries, you got to get to a place where you're going to pay. You know, you go to a doctor, you're going to pay. You go get your uh, car fixed, you're going to pay. So the Bible says, for this reason. Now, we know who Jesus is. He's first and foremost, that's what the first chapter says. For, so for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. For if the words spoken through angels prove unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, that means that in the Old Testament, if God gave a commandment, you did it. If you were obedient, you got the results of your obedience. If you were disobedient, you got the results of your disobedience. That's just how it worked. So it goes on to say, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So now we're bringing it into the New Testament, Christ in the New Testament. And so it's the same thing when God requires us to do something or commands us to do something is to help us. He's not a house Hitler. He's not a tyrant. He's not trying to get us to do something that we could feel good, that that he feels good, that he's ruling over us. That's not it. He's trying to get us to move and to be obedient so he can help us. Y'all got that? And so the same thing in the New Testament. 
if we want God's best, if we want his help, we have to be obedient. So we can't neglect a great salvation. Anybody ever gave or presented the gospel uh, to, to someone in the world? Maybe you were sharing your testimony, sharing uh, scriptures because you wanted them to know what you know and experience the Christ that you have received. Anybody ever did that? Anybody ever got rejected? <laughs> and how many of y'all know if somebody rejects the gospel, it's just not good for them. And the Lord showed me if you neglect it, it's just as bad as rejecting it. Now, they can't neglect the gospel because they hadn't received it yet. They reject it. But if we receive the gospel and know who Christ is and then neglect such a great salvation, then woe to us. You understand, we will never live God's best on this earth and we will drift because neglecting the gospel will cause you to drift. I looked up the word drift. It means to float. You know, and, and life is real... You know, we call this the river, but that we're talking about the river of heaven. We're talking about the flow of the Holy Spirit. But this life on earth is not a lake. It's a river. And if you get in the river of this life, the carnal life on earth, and you just float, you will die because it leads to destruction. And I run into people all the time, and they look like they're just floating. You know, they're not grounded. They're not rooted you know, they kind of in, they kind of out. You know, sometimes they love Jesus. Sometimes they live in like hell. And, and you know, I understand that's the, the fight. That's the battle we have to endure. But the Lord just showed me you can't float as a Christian because to float, you don't have to do nothing. And you'll end up in a bad place. Uh, the word drift means to just slip. Uh, years ago, uh, I actually purchased a tugboat. This is the biggest deal of my life, man. I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm somebody. <laughs> and so we had to uh, have a captain. We had a deckhand. You got to pay insurance. When you bring a tugboat to a shipyard, it's not like $25 an hour. It's like $250 or $300 or $400 an hour. It's like, I didn't know all of this. But anyway, you know, on the weekend, we'd send the captain home and the deckhand, we'd just tie the boat up. And if you tie the boat or leave it in the shipyard, it's like $200 a day. So we, you know, we want to save money. So we just tied it up on the river. And so the captain and the deckhand went home. They tied the boat to some little sh shrub bush. <laughs> in the worst, the worst bend of the river is right above the old bridge. It's, it goes like this. I'm telling you, it goes just like this. It's running one way, then it goes the other way. And they tied it up. The, broke, the boat broke loose. I happened to be riding on the levee, and I see my tugboat just floating down the river. It's <laughs> drifting. You understand? You don't, the motors are not even running. Nobody's on the boat. It just doesn't take much to drift. And so the boat is drifting. The bridge, the bridge is close. And really, those currents, they throw that water right into the bridge structure. That, that's a very dangerous point right there. 
And so the boat's just floating. I am, I'm calling, I'm saying, are y'all on the boat? Are y'all, I have a marine, are y'all, nobody's answering. And I finally realized, nobody's on the boat. <laughs> no, nobody's manning the boat. You need to man your life. You understand, you got you to gotta keep your soul anchored to Jesus. The Bible says our hope is, is anchored in Christ. And so we really have an anchor through the veil into heaven. So that anchor is thrown across the mercy seat of God. Without him, we're just going to float. But he caught us by his son. You were a fish, Jesus caught. You understand? And so he caught us, and it's not catch and release with Jesus. He wants us to stand firm. So anyway, I get on the radio, and I call another fleeting service. They said, sir, what do you need? I said, I need you to catch my boat. They said, what do you mean? I said, my boat is coming by y'all place right now, and there's nobody on it. And he said, you got to be kidding. I said, no, go catch my boat. And I'm telling you, marine insurance is the highest in the world. When something happens, I mean, it's just ridiculous what you have to pay for insurance. And if somebody gets hurt, I mean, it's over. It's just totally over. Wasn't that a good analogy? Well, they went and they caught my boat. They just threw some ropes on it and they just brought it back and they tied it at their wharf in their shipyard and they charged me like $200 a day. <laughs> How many of y'all know it was worth the payment to be secure and to be safe? And so you need to pay attention. And so when I read this scripture, the Lord told me chapter 1 is all about Jesus that we can understand in chapter 2, verse 1, that listening is going to be easy now because we know who he is and we know everything is tied to him. We know everything revolves around him. We know that he's the beginning and the end of everything. So Hebrews is trying to tell us he, the supremacy is Christ. Now just listen to him. So chapter 1 talks about Jesus Chapter 2, verse 1, is the first command to Christians. The first commandment to a Christian is listen to Jesus. You don't have to do nothing. Just listen to Jesus. Isn't that good? And it, it doesn't take much to listen. You do it all day long. You do it all day long. It, it's really easy to listen. You're going to turn the radio on. You're going to turn your iPhone on. You're going to listen to your wife. You're going to listen to your spouse. You turn on the TV. Your kids are talking. It's so easy to listen. But to listen to the Lord is not as easy to the carnal mind because the flesh wants to listen to the world. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't learn to listen to Jesus, you won't stay in love with Jesus. And if you don't stay in love with Jesus, you're not going to be transformed into his image. And if you're not transformed into his image, you won't be prepared to receive the life that God has for you. There's no way you, you're going to be able to receive the abundant life that he has for you. So we have to stay anchored to the living word of God. Isn't that good? Okay, let's go on. Well, one more story about drifting. Uh, anybody ever hear about William Perry? He was an English explorer, and he decided he was going to chart and map 
the Arctic Ocean. And most of the Arctic Ocean, it's, an ice, it's ice. And so back then, they would take their bearings on stars. And so they took and they, char they started charting everything, and they took their bearing on a star, and then they just headed out on this expedition. And, of course, it was this bone-chilling coldness, and they were only moving, you know, they were not moving that fast, and they were doing what they were supposed to do. And then the second time that they made a measurement or got direction from the star, he realized that rather than going north, he was going more south than north. And he couldn't understand it. But it turned out they were on a huge, huge sheet of ice that was moving south. It was floating. So they couldn't perceive that. They couldn't recognize that with their senses. Y'all got it. So drifting is something that just starts to happen, and you don't know it. It's unannounced. It's really, you don't sense it with your senses. You, you, don't, you don't know it with your knower. And if you don't listen to Jesus, you will fade. And you might say, well, you prophetically speaking negative to me. No, I'm telling you the truth. If you, don't keep your, if you don't fix your eyes on Jesus, if you don't consider Jesus, you understand, you're going to fade, you're going to drift, you're going to float. We had a saying, uh, uh, Miss Becky, because you might know these people, but there's some people that come to church and they will say this, I'll do anything you want me to do. But they don't do nothing <laughs> because they don't want to be committed to one place. They want to be a floater. You know what I mean? Well, I'm here if you need me, but they're not always here. They don't want to commit. They just, we, call, we have called them floaters. He's a floater. They don't want to commit. They just, you know, they'll tell you, I'll help you, but you never know where they are. And if they help you once, then they're going to dodge that place next time. And so they never get connected. They're always floating. And so we need to anchor. And that's what's going to be good about this school. You're going to get plenty, plenty word on the inside of you. The word's going to hook you. The word's going to give you hope. The word's going to cause you to be sound and stable. And you won't be vacillating. You won't be up and down. You'll be in and you'll be connected. So it goes on to say, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation after it was after it was at the first spoken through the Lord and so this is the New Testament the Old Testament was the first testament the New Testament is the New Testament there won't be a third era Jesus is not coming back and speaking through monkeys Jesus is not coming back speaking through alien the Lord has spoken and the word that he's using today is the spoken word of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, he can speak through me, through me, he can speak through you. He can speak through the fivefold ministry, the body of Christ. But it's all the word of the Lord being spoken. Y'all got that? And so first and foremost, the Lord is speaking. So if he's speaking, we need to listen. And the, the first chapter made it easy for the first verse. So the first commandment should be easy and light if you understand who Jesus is. 
If you don't, you're not going to want to listen. I mean, if somebody just walked off the street in here and just started talking and they were making no sense, you probably wouldn't want to listen. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't listening to me and you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you understand, I hope you know who I am. I'm trying to bring a word to you. I'm trying to help you. And so if we know who the Lord is, then the hallmark of a faithful, true Christian, you would want to love to listen to Jesus more than anything else, more than the news, more than football, more than anything else, you would want to love to listen to Jesus. That should be the fruit. The first fruit of a believer should be I love to listen to Jesus, whether it comes through a preacher, a radio, testimonies, the, the living word that you read daily. Y'all got that. So that needs to be on your heart. And, and as soon as something happened, you should want to listen to Jesus. You should even call me first. Don't call me first. <laughs> That's what we started to do with counsel. People just want to come and ask you everything, and they hadn't even sought the Lord yet. You know, before you even you go to the doctor, seek the Lord. Before you take a, new, a job, seek the Lord. You know, don't let money say yes. What is the Lord saying? Amen. Amen. <laughs> listen. And so when I started thinking about the word listen, you know, Jesus said if, you, if you're heavy laden, and you're laboring. We live in this world and it happens. You're heavy laden and you're laboring. He says, come to me. He says, take my yoke. And he said, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest for your soul. Who needs some rest? And so it comes through. And then he says, come to me and I will teach you. How many of y'all know if he's going to teach you something, you have to listen. He wants to teach us something to help us. And then he says, I'm lowly in heart. I'm not going to hurt you. I want to help you. And he said, I'll give you rest to your soul. And he said, my yoke will be easy and my burden. I'm about to sneeze. Don't sneeze on us. Excuse me. That has never happened to me in all my ministry. <laughs> But he said, my burden is easy, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, if you connect that to teach and you connect that to rest, listening should be easy. Listening shouldn't be a yoke because he's saying, my yoke is easy. My teaching's easy if you listen. If you can hear what I have to say about it, it's going to make your life better. Isn't that good? And so if the yoke is easy, then the burden's going to be light. It's not going to be a burden to listen if you know who Jesus is. If he's really the God of your life, if he's really your first love, his burden will be easy and his yoke will be light. Now, this is the problem with most Christians. They're not hearing from God. And then they kind of blame God. Well, you're carrying around a yoke now. Man, I can't ever hear from God. I mean, Jesus. 
why would he talk to her? I mean, why is she so happy? You, you understand? So you, we under it, but you, you're not listening to God. May, maybe you want to. Maybe you're talking about it. But to listen to the Lord, you got to turn off everybody and everything, and the flesh hates it. It's easy to sit in your car with the radio on. <laughs> it's easy to be around your phone talking to it and it talking to you. It's easy to be in the house with the TV on, but to be off. It's so hard. Not to the spirit man, to the flesh. And so you have to train and teach your spirit you understand, but the only way your spirit can hear is you turn off everybody and everything else. And that's why these services are somewhat good because you're kind of a captive audience. I'm not going to let you say too much. And I know you want to say something, but you get in the receiving mode. And, and you can be sitting in this service right now and your mind's running somewhere. But that's, up, that's your choice. You either sit on the edge of your chair and kind of lean towards me, cup your ears and just say, you know, if I'm going to stay in this church for three hours tonight, I'm going to listen. <laughs> I lost a few of y'all right there. <laughs> I'm trying to teach you something. This is, the Spirit of God's not going to do it all for you. He's going to work with you. And so it's just not all going to be the Spirit of God. There's a responsibility on our side called discipline. You're a disciple, so the root word for disciple is discipline. So we need to live under and by the disciplines of Christ. Anybody getting anything out of this? I'm going to do something now. I've never done this before. Some of you guys are saying, oh, my. Oh, my. I, I've been pastoring now for 20 years. We're about to have a 20-year anniversary. Love for you to come. Bring your friends. Bring your enemies. Bring whoever ever came here. But as a pastor, and I don't know it all, but I have watched this and I know this. And I feel like I'm pretty good by this, just by experience and by the Spirit. A pastor realizes or can see patterns in people. Just sees patterns that people can't even see. And it's, it's good to have a good friend or a spouse because you can kind of, you can be accountable to one another. But I see patterns in people. And I can see when people are drifting. And, of course, when you approach them, you have to be nice <laughs> and easy. Because when you go to talk to them and they feel like you've said something or you're out of place and you offended them, they get mad. That right there is a, sound, a sign of drifting. That somebody that loves you and you know they love you and they're trying to help you and now you're mad because they're kind of telling you, hey, hey, you, you, don't do that. You, don't do that. Just something's not right. It just, this is not a negative. I want to help. And it just looks like you just, you're floating. You, you, there's so many Christians today just floating. They don't know what they want. They love Jesus. They, you know, they have a call on their life. But they're not going nowhere. They're just floating. Just floating. You have to make a choice. I'm not floating any longer. You need to start swimming upstream. It's going to take some energy. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some listening. 
And you know, maybe in Bible school, we should just every day just everybody stands up and tell me what the Lord spoke to you today. Most would lie. Some would quote something somebody else said. And I'm not saying God can't speak through other people. But if you have a personal relationship, God's talking to you. He wants to talk to you. He can talk to you. And your privilege is that you can communicate with him. That's the first privilege of a newborn believer is that we can hear the voice of the Lord. So we need to listen. Hallelujah. I started thinking about a tumbleweed. Anybody know what a tumbleweed is? They tumble. And I started thinking about it. And, and at this weed, this weed, it's a weed, it's a plant. It's actually green and it's growing. But something happens. And I saw the, the, uh, the path that it would take. First of all, it's in a desert, so it dries up. It just dries up. And I don't know if y'all know how to determine if a plant is dead or not. Because some plants could be standing, but it's dead. It could just be sticks. And, you know, people keep watering it, keep giving it fertilizer. I'll just walk up and say, that dude is dead. And they say, well, how do you know it's dead? Well, if you just scratch the bark, and if not green, the bark is the cambium layer. That's where all the nutrients go in the plant. That's how the plant uh, works and the photosynthesis and everything. So without the green, it's dead. And so what happens, the tumbleweed, it, it dries out. Then it's detached from the ground. No, it, it, yeah, it detaches from the ground, and then it begins to tumble. It falls from an upright position. It falls. And that's what believers do. You understand? They fall from an upright position. They tumble. And then all of a sudden, the wind catches the tumbleweed, and it just blows it wherever it and people are just floating. People are just blown around for whatever reason. Sometimes it's, listen, I don't worry. I don't worry about you either. Some of you I do. <laughs> but not long. I, I don't, I'm telling you, I cast my cares on the Lord. And if you tell me your cares, I cast your cares on the Lord. Because <laughs> I don't need your cares and my cares. And so what I normally do, I want to minister the word to somebody because we can't carry these burdens. We can't just sympathize with one another and scratch each other's back saying, I've been through that, I understand, and, you know, we all, we all do it. It all happens. You know, nobody's perfect. Y'all ever hear that one? Well, I'm going to show you some scriptures tonight. I, I believe that nobody's perfect. But we don't need to major on that. You don't need to stay the same. You need to be growing towards perfection. And so you should be growing. Okay, y'all heard this phrase. I've used it quite often. Kim Clement coined this term. Somewhere in the future, you look much better than you look right now. <laughs> Isn't that right? If you stay in Christ, if you don't float, if you don't drift, Somewhere in the near future, you look much better than you look right now. But some people, they will look a lot worse than they look right now if you drift. And so it's, it's a two-sided coin. 
You can grow or you can drift. You can go on in Christ or you can drift. And my point in going over and over and saying this is you have to begin to listen to the Lord. And if you would notice, if you're, if you're connected, things I'm saying right now you'll run into tomorrow because I feel like I'm speaking by the Spirit. And whether you read it in a book, you hear it on the radio, or a friend comes up, it's going to all begin to tie together. It's been pretty amazing how everything in our services here lately are just tied up. Pastor Clayton's in the foundation class. He's talking one thing. Susan comes up. She gives a giving teaching, abundant life teaching. She connects the dots, and then I get up and I talk. Then a prophecy comes, and it connects another dot. Then the altar call, you come up for uh, prayer, and then another dot is, you know, everything's being connected because it's all the same spirit. And that's how it should work. And when you in that type of flow, you need to begin to speak the same words. You will. Now, I'm, I'm not saying you have to. You will because it's hitting you from every area. You're just covered in the word. And it's all like one theme or one vein. It's just cool. So it, it's not your job. It's not a hard job to listen. It's an invitation to be satisfied by Jesus. It's not a job to listen. It's an invitation from Jesus for him to satisfy you in your life. So I'm going to read some scriptures, just scriptures. Y'all ever went to a party in the past? And you know, whatever, we used to drink some smokes or whatever. And, you know, somebody would do something, we'd be drinking, and they'd say it, and we'd laugh, and we'd drink to it. I'll drink to that. So the drink's on me tonight. I want you to drink to this. And, of course, you're not going to drink wine. You're going to drink of the Spirit. So I'm just going to read. I don't know how far I'm going to go. But you know what? When we got together partying, I never knew how far I was going to go. It wasn't planned. We just started drinking. And when you had enough, you just fell out. <laughs> you didn't make it home. So it's going to be no different tonight. <laughs> I'm serving the drinks. If you like it, you just say, I'll drink to that. <laughs> and you just receive it in your spirit. And we'll, say, we'll see who stays up the longest. We're going to see who can hold the most. <laughs> Who's in? <clears throat> the what? <laughs> well, there were people that left the party early for whatever reason. They didn't want to be with the group, you know what I mean? Who wants to be with the group tonight? Yeah. All right, listen to this. Ephesians 3.19, don't just listen to me. Ephesians 3.19, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. You can't know Jesus in your head. You have to experience him, encounter him. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge 
that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Filled up to all the fullness of God. Filled up to all the fullness of God. Think about that. I mean, you keep your mind on these type things, you're not going to drift. To be filled up to all the fullness of God. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. To be filled up to all the fullness of God. Not a little dab, do you? <laughs> to all the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. And we're not talking about a natural man. We're not talking about anything in this world. We're talking about being full with all the fullness of God. It's hard to drift if that is offered to you. It's hard to take your eyes off a, a benefit like that. The world has nothing to offer what God is offering us. He's offering all of who he is, all of himself to us. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. First Peter 2, 3, like newborn babes, newborn babes long for pure milk of the word. Didn't we, I was going to say, didn't we breastfeed one of our children? <laughs> Susan did. <laughs> well, it's we, we won. <laughs> anyway. I remember Joseph, and you know when you, you know. and once one they on they on, they ain't letting up. Now, are you like that with the Lord? Do you want Him to nourish you? Do you want the milk of His Word that you can grow up? That's being offered to you. I don't care where you are in Christ. You may be a babe, you may have just started, you may be in two or three years. But he has the milk of his word. He wants you to begin to drink that you could grow up. Do you long for that? Do you long to be nourished by the Lord? He longs to help us, nourish us. He's more after us than we are after him. You can't drift thinking like this. God wants all of you. And he wants to give you all of him. You keep your eyes on things like this, you won't drift. You look at people that are lukewarm like, come on, man, take a drink. You need some Jesus. <laughs> Long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. You'll start to understand how great your salvation is. Man, salvation is just not about going to church. It's not about just getting saved and missing hell. It's about meeting with the God Almighty. Come on the maker of everything. You don't backslide thinking like this. If you have tasted the kindness or the goodness of the Lord, anybody taste the goodness of the Lord? Yes. There's a restaurant Susan and I go to in New Orleans, and it is, like, amazing. We went one day at noon. It was so good. It's an uh, Israeli restaurant. It was so good. What's the name of it? Shira. Shaya. Shaya. 
Anyway, we went at lunch, and we went back the night that night. There were my taste buds. Some I don't think I had, I think I had some taste buds that never worked. <laughs> and I mean these. I mean I I tasted things I never tasted before. And I don't know about you, but the tongue of your soul. The tongue of your soul has tasted the good of God. And if you're anything like me, I can't just taste it. I got to eat the thing. And I can't eat just one. I eat until I get full. So if you've tasted of the Lord, that's just the beginning. That's just a taste. I mean, I'm not staying at a taste. I want him all. Philippians 3.12, now that I have already obtained it or already become, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. But he's not saying he won't become perfect. He's just saying, Paul's saying, I haven't become perfect. He said, I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying? Something got me, I'm going to get it. Something caught me, I'm going to catch it. Something was chasing after me, now I'm going to chase after it. Something embraced me, now I'm going to embrace it. Something held me, now I want to hold it. Talking about Jesus. So what the Lord first did to Paul, now Paul wants to do it to Jesus. The one that loved me, I want to love him. The one that was obedient to the Father, for me, I want to be obedient to him. Come on, somebody say, I'll drink to that. You understand, if you know who Jesus is, it should be natural to seek him. It it should be natural to press on. You should never want to drift. You should never want to float. You should never want to be lukewarm. 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow. You know what that means? Don't stay the same. But grow. But grow in the grace. Y'all know what grace is? That's God's supply. Grace. This is an acrostic. God's resources at Christ's expense. God's resources. All of God's resources have been given to us at Christ's expense. Grace is what God gives. We, We can't. We can't manufacture this. Everything that God has, it comes to us by grace through faith. So, grace is abundant. There's so much more than what we've already received from the Lord. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. James, but he gives greater grace. So, there's always more grace. There's never a lack of grace. What's that? James 4, 6. Greater grace. And the Bible said God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know what that means? That God resists the proud. In other words, if your opinions override God's way, he leaves you to yourself. You don't want to be left to yourself. But if you humble 
And when God speaks and you don't have an opinion, you just say, yes, sir, thank you, Lord. Then he graces you. His grace is his supply. Grace is everything. Grace, everything in heaven comes by grace. You understand? It's, it's, grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's unmerited favor. Come on. Salvation was unmerited favor. All you did was say yes to the gift. All you did was unwrap Jesus and say, yeah, I'll take him. That's it. And then the Holy Spirit drew you to Jesus. So you couldn't even draw yourself to Jesus. The Holy Spirit did. So it was all done by God for us to have his son, Jesus Christ. Now, when we sign on the dotted line that we're going to follow Jesus, then responsibility hits us. And we have to start making decisions. We have to make choices of life. Don't stay proud. Somebody drink to that? Some of y'all aren't chug-a-luggers like me. <laughs> y'all just, some of y'all are just sipping saints. <laughs> you need to belly up to God's bar tonight and just have a drink. That's what you need to do. Drink. I mean, if it's good, say, Lord, I'll take that. I want that. Let that get in your spirit. I'm telling you, you will never be moved by this carnal world. You will never be moved by people that, you know, live worldly lives. You won't be moved. For this reason, Colossians 1, 9, for this reason also since the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. I'm so glad I'm in the will of God. I can't even think where I would be without my salvation. Just think about it. You, you wouldn't have pulled this thing off. You'd be, you'd be just like your crazy family. <laughs> we are so fortunate. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. <laughs> Such a great salvation. Come on, I want you loaded before you leave here tonight. Loaded before you leave. That was the title of my message, if anybody needs it. <laughs> Loaded before you leave. That was the party. What did you do? What did you do Wednesday night? I went to the party down at the river. What was the message? Loaded before you leave. <laughs> Filled with the knowledge of his will and all, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How about some of that? See, we're not there yet. Filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's more. You got to keep pressing so that you may walk in a worthy manner, a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him. Who wants to please the Father? In all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. How about some of that? Somebody say, I'll drink to that. Man, we hit it good in some areas, but the Bible says, bear fruit in anything. Whatsoever your hands touch, you shall prosper. Somebody say, I'll drink to that increasing in knowledge of God. You don't stay the same. How many of y'all know it's not normal to stay in the first grade 10 years? Huh? It's just not normal. Y'all know some people like that though, huh? And if you were one, it's all right. You're saved. God will, God will promote you. <laughs> Luke 17, 5, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. I got good news. You don't need more faith. You got enough. 
The Bible said faith is a mustard seed, can move a mountain. So you've, that's what he told the disciples. You got enough. The measure of faith that he gave you is enough to get you to the next level. You have enough. You just have to use the faith that you have. Listen, we had faith before we were saved, but our faith was in the carnal realm because God gave us faith. God gave everybody a measure of faith. So that's why we believed that the sun would come up every morning. We had faith that the sun would come up. We actually would allow somebody to pay us with a check, and we had faith in the check if we went to the bank. Not all of us. But if we went to the bank, we could cash the check. We work a whole week, and we got faith that our boss is going to pay us. We work before we get paid. See, so we already had faith, but now our faith is in our Lord Jesus Christ. And how much more faith or better faith or more genuine faith should we have in a God that he's not going to lie? And his promise will come to pass if we trust in him. Anybody, somebody say, I'll drink to that. I'm going to have to spend my whole self to get y'all where you need to be. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine. But it says to get drunk in the spirit. <laughs> and then Peter stood up and people, people judged him. And they thought he was drunk, but it was nine o'clock in the morning. And Peter said, I'm not drunk as you suppose, but I'm drunk. <laughs> you understand? And so everything we did in the world to get inebriated, it was a counterfeit of the real drink, the drink of his spirit. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. Y'all going to be a tough crowd. There's no chug-a-luggers in here. All sipping saints. A social drinker. Man, in the world, we had people, they wouldn't share. No, that's mine. <laughs> I'm using this analogy so you'll understand. I don't drink at all, nothing but the spirit. And if I would take a drink now of alcohol, I'd get high. I mean, instantly. It would go to my head. It would get in my system. I would not be myself because I've been so far away from it for so long. But... When I drink of his spirit, it don't take much. But I don't like just a little buzz. I like to just get inebriated. <laughs> I like to get beyond myself. Y'all remember when you were in the world, you got a little in you, you could dance. At least you thought you could dance. And it's the same thing. All your inhibitions leave when you get drunk in the spirit. I'm telling you, you know, you laugh in church. You'll actually make noise in church, <laughs> and it's okay, like. And then, you, you, know, you know when you were drinking in the world and you look at somebody else and they were sober and you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same way when you get drunk in the spirit and somebody's like. <laughs> you look at them like. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't going home early tonight. <laughs> I remember one night I left 
my car somewhere. <laughs> I, I went home without my car. I didn't know where my car was. One night I slept in the field. <laughs> Just didn't make it home. You might not make who Somebody say, I'll drink to that. How many of y'all know when you were in the world, you didn't care about nothing but what was going on at that moment? Wasn't that right? It's the same thing in the spirit, in the presence of God. It's like all your cares leave. What matters doesn't, what matters don't matter no more. It's almost like, and you remember, not everybody drinks, so not everybody can relate to me, really. And if you didn't ever drink, you got the best testimony, I want to tell you. If you never got drunk, never used alcohol, that's a good testimony. So you don't have to do all these crazy things to get saved because you could do everything right, you know, in the eyes of the world, be a goody-good shoe and all a goody-good shoe? A goody-good shoe. But, you, you know, we were born to sin, so we've all sinned. The wages of sin is death. 2 Corinthians 10, 15. Somebody say, I'm going to drink to that. Before it's even poured, that's mine. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in another man's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, your faith can grow, you shall be within your sphere, enlarged even more by you. So things need to all take off and grow in our life. Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you. May the God of hope fill you. You don't feel filled? He can fill you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Not some joy, not a piece of joy, a little bit of joy. With all joy. Whose joy? The Lord's joy. With all the Lord's joy. You know, Jesus would just get happy sometimes, and he'd just start spinning in the spirit, and his little skirt would come up, and his hairy legs would come out, and he just, he was, I mean, come on. I mean, if you're going to receive the joy of the Lord, he had to have it. He had to, he had to be in it. It's his. The joy of the Lord. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. With all joy and peace. Some of you need peace. You need a drink of peace. You need a shot of peace. You need a, I mean, you need peace. I told the story uh, Sunday morning that if you go into a house or you go into the city and the city receives you peace or your anointing, then Jesus said, well, go in and stay because they're open to be taught. They're open to the things of the Lord. But the, so if your peace rested on the city or the house, you didn't leave it. But if you went or tried to go in a city or a house, and your peace was not received, it would return back to you. And you just shake the dust off your feet. And that doesn't mean you just say, do you love Jesus? Amen. No. And you leave. That's not it. <laughs> These people would go in the house, and they'd be patient, and they'd share their testimony, and they were talking about what Jesus was doing and who he was and how he touched them. And they, they're passionate about this. And so the, it's not just some script or you just read this prayer or say this or say no they were spending time and if those people wanted more they would just stay they wouldn't leave until they were filled I'm not leaving until you get filled I feel my peace returning back to me right now don't make my peace 
You know, when I, when I preach, or you'll find this if you preach or you teach, you start saying things, and if people are receptive, you'll feel the pull. And it makes everything so much easier. So you just can't have somebody saying. You have to have somebody receiving. But it's not we shouldn't get mad if they don't. Like, I still got to love you if you don't receive a thing I say. <laughs> you, you understand? So we're not going to mean mug you if you don't receive. But I always, when you turn something on the word of God, be in the mode to receive. But the Bible said if they didn't receive it, that your peace didn't rest, your anointing didn't rest on them, it would return to you. And I said this Sunday. Some of y'all have tried to help people and they didn't receive you and you left your peace with them. And you hurt. You feel rejected. And now you're just as bad off as them. Don't leave your peace. If people don't receive you, just love them anyway. Respect them anyway. Don't get mad at them. Don't get hard-hearted. Don't get bitter because somebody doesn't like what you have to say. That's what you did in the world. And it puts you in a really bad place. So we can come in the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, start dispersing and dispensing the good news of God, and people growl at us or curse us or just say, hey, I don't believe all that. You could get just as offended and end up right back the same place in the name of Jesus. Nobody wants to talk to you. You can't get along with anybody in church. You're hurt, you're rejected, you're offended, and you're mad because nobody received you. Would Jesus receive you? That's enough. That's enough. And if you really listen to him and keep your eyes on him, the people that reject you will never, ever affect you. You know why? Because Jesus is Lord of your life. And you understand who he is to you. And you're so compassionate about it. When people don't receive Christ, you hurt for them. It really hurts you that you tried to help somebody and they didn't receive it. It could have changed their life. Could have changed their family, their destiny and everything. That's the passion we have. Come on, somebody. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love. You don't have to be hateful. You don't have to be ugly. <laughs> abound. Who needs some of that? Drink. I'll drink to that. Abound in love for one another. Just love each other. Just love each other. I know you had some favorites in church. I do too. <laughs> it's not, you know what I mean. You just kind of flow sometimes a little better with people, but that doesn't make somebody else less. You love them. Y'all understand? And so, you know, you befriend people. People will befriend you. You don't need to be alone here. We should be one big, happy, drunk family. <laughs> We've had so many people just come to church service. Sunday morning, some would just fall at the door. Some would come out the prayer room, couldn't make it to the door. I finally had to say, listen, if y'all fall out, fall out in the prayer room because we got visitors coming in. They never been in a church like this, and there's like three dead people at the door. It makes no sense. Nobody wants to come here. I mean, it looks bad. <laughs> but when you're drunk, you're drunk. You, you, you can't help where you fall. You can't help how you fall. <laughs> you can't help where you fall. 
I'd rather have somebody drunk and mess up a good service than everybody so constipated and got this look <laughs> on their face and nobody wants to reason, reason nobody wants to receive anything. Drunk in the Holy Ghost. When I say drunk, I mean drunk in the Holy Ghost. I don't drink. Who, who would drink the nasty stuff when you can drink the spirit of the living God? I was eating at a table one night. I don't know if I told you all this. I think I did. Who heard it? You don't know. I didn't say it yet. Nice Italian restaurant in New Orleans. Nice. And most people, if they're going to eat Italian, they're going to drink wine. And so I got a couple of people at the table that came out of all of this mess. Some real nice person looks at me. She said, you mind if I drink? I said, what you drinking? If you're drinking the Holy Ghost, it's okay. She said, I'm going to order some wine. I said, not at this table. I just get up and leave. I mean, I got disciples. That's what tripped them up. And so I'm not mean mugging the lady, but I said, you need to understand what you're doing. You know, all you're thinking about is yourself. You're not thinking about those that could be affected. Amen. Amen. So I think we had a little drink of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. She stayed, they stayed mad for about a year, but they got over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody say, I'll drink to that. And I don't get on people for drinking. It was just a situation. I could sit at a table with somebody. Wit I could witness. Now, if they're drunk, don't try to witness to people drunk. I can't even preach to you if you get drunk. But I'm asking you to get drunk. <laughs> First Thessalonians 4. Brethren, we request, request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us instruction to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you may excel still more. Who wants to excel? Yeah. You can excel in the th things of God. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as looking in a mirror of glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the, listen to this, we're, be, we're not there yet, but we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So we're being transformed into the image of the Father's dear Son, Jesus Christ. My God, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm telling you, it's happening. What you behold, you will become. What you stand before, you will see. And we're looking in the mirror of God's word. And the word is telling us who we are in Christ and how we should live and how we should look and how we should do marriage and finances and raise children and treat one another. Come on. We it. God does not have another plan. We are the hub of heaven on earth. We're it. This is the best God has. Humans. Filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of the living God. We're it. Yeah. A carnal president is not going to do it. A millionaire outside of Christ is not going to do it. It takes, it takes common people, ordinary people, to do something extraordinary in Christ. Normal people to do something abnormal in Christ. Come on. 
natural people to do something supernatural in Christ. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. I drink to that. I'm trying to get you high. I'm trying to get you to think high, to look high, to stand high. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I told you all the drinks are on me. Say, I'll take one. Open tab night. <laughs> therefore, 2 Corinthians 7, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness. Yeah. Getting completely holy yeah. is possible. It's promised. It's ours in the spirit. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. I'm not there yet, but I want to be holy. I want to be completely holy. I want to be completely cleansed by the blood of Jesus, spotless. It's possible. Receive it in the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase, the harvest of your righteousness. Are you the righteousness of God? If you are, you have a harvest of righteousness to come. You have a harvest of righteousness. Family saved, friends saved, not broke, not poor, not sick, not full of ailment, not addicted to anything. Set free, healed hearts, anointed, equipped, city takers, devil chasers, illustrated sermons, epistles. That's a woman apostle. No, I'm just kidding. Proof providers that Jesus Christ is alive. That's who you are. You are a proof provider. That Jesus is alive. You are proof provider to the world that Jesus is still alive. He rose from the grave and he lives on the inside of you. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. Therefore, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my brethren, beloved brethren, beloved brethren, beloved. How you doing, beloved brethren? brethren? <laughs> beloved, beloved. Steadfast, immovable. That's you. This is what's offered to us. Steadfast, stable, sound, unmovable, unstoppable. That's what's being offered to us. It's an invitation to grow. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. Oh, boy, these are good descriptive words, huh? Always abounding. Who wants to always abound? Somebody say, I'll drink to that. Knowing that your toil or your labor is not in vain. You know what I realized the other day? The Lord helps me. Because he's a helper. <laughs> the Lord helps me. Because he's a helper. He's a very present help 
in the time of need, the time of trouble. He's a help. But you have to allow him to help you. How do you allow God to help you? See, he's a helper. And I realize this. I don't know if I said this before. When God's not helping me, he's helping me. And when God's helping me, he's helping me. Huh? So I don't see him helping me, but I know he's my helper. And God speaks to me. He does. But you know when he's not speaking to me, he's speaking to me. Because sometimes a good, no word's a good word. No word is keep doing the last word he gave you. When I tell my children, go do this, when I told them to do that, do this, do that, if they didn't do it, I didn't do or give them the next thing they asked for. You had to do the first thing. So if you hadn't done what God told you last, why are you still trying to get him to tell you something else? Go sit in your room. Go put the dunce hat on. <laughs> you understand me? And how goofy can you get if God told you to do something and you're not going to do it and you're going to go back to ask him what you want me to do? He, I mean, God's not stupid. God doesn't have to go back to college and get another Ph.D. to handle our situation. He knows. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. God knows. <clears throat> Here it is. Here it is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, Ephesians 5, 18. But be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. I, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> it says be filled with the Spirit. That word is really present perfect tense, be being filled with the Spirit. So you never get unfilled. You're always flashing over. Your cup runs over. Be being filled. You know, we fill up our gas tank in our car and it goes down, we go back and fill up. It's like, you know, when you go, y'all heard me say this, when you go to the filling station, we call it the filling station. When you go to the filling station, you put the pump thing in the car, and then you drive off with the whole filling station. That's how it is in the spiritual. You're never empty. You're never half full. You're never three-quarter. You're always full. And you know what? If you're not full, you're not going to splash on anybody else. But if you're full and overflowing, it's going to be good for you and everybody around you. Somebody say, I'll drink to that. How old are you? Good for you. We don't drink alcohol. Remember that. Not at all. I'm just telling you, it's not good. I'm just using these terms because some of us older people understand. You've seen people that were drunk? They're crazy. Meat crazy. But this is by the Spirit. <laughs> Acts 12, 24, but the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. How about that? The word needs to grow in us that we can speak it and we can just see it begin to grow in other people. Acts 6, 7, and the word of God kept on spreading. I mean, the word of God does not want to stop. Nothing can stop the word of God. I'm telling you, it penetrates the hardest of hearts. And the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. I mean, everything is up in God. Everything goes up in God. And I'm not saying life won't hit you. I'm not saying there won't be times in your life that you just like got sucker punched and you know you don't know what to do, but you have to know that life is always going up in God, with God. 
Always. Yes. If you get depressed, you're thinking wrong. Right. And I understand, I understand things happen, but you can't dwell on it. You have to get back in the promises of God so you can see beyond your circumstance. You can see beyond the situation. When my back went out years ago, I had one scripture that I stood on, and I didn't throw my Bible on the ground and stand on it. I stood in faith, and the scripture was, David said, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. So you will faint. You will drift. You will fade and you will float if you don't believe to see the goodness of the Lord in a bad situation, in a bad circumstance. You have to believe to see. Well, how do you believe? You get a word. You get a word in the Bible. Listen, this is what I mean when I'm saying listen to Jesus. You're always looking at him. And, and I told you all this Sunday when I read the scriptures, I'm seeing Jesus. I'm just seeing Jesus. And you have to see Jesus over and over and over. I don't know how many times I preached on the lady with the issue of blood. She was a couch potato. Spent all her money with all the physicians, the best, and she just got worse. And one day she was watching the soap operas and I guess just had enough of it. She heard the name and the fame of Jesus. She had heard that he was healing. And something in her said, if I could just touch him, if I could touch him, if I could touch his him, if I could touch the him on him, <laughs> if I could just touch the him, she just got this thought. See, that was before her. She wasn't changed. She was still bleeding. She was still in this dark room. She was still, you know, under that cloud. But she got a word. She could see something beyond her circumstance. And because she could see something beyond where she was, it mobilized her. She stepped out in faith, and she actually did what she saw. And so you understand, when I read that story, I'm looking at Jesus. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And so I watched Jesus, how he does things, over and 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 over. You understand, you keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep watching him and you'll never drift. I've taught on the prodigal son, I don't know how many times. And the more I read the story, the more I get. The more I look at Jesus in that story and the father, the more I see Jesus. Love, hope, never gives up on people. So I look at the Bible stories and I look at the scriptures and I'm looking for Jesus. You know what else I'm looking for in the Bible? Me. Because <laughs> when I see Paul, I see me. When I see Peter, I see stupid me, but I see Peter in a good way. Got a revelation of Christ. But so, so I'm always looking and watching Jesus. And people say, you go to church for two and a half hours. You're going to that Bible school. And why do you do all that? Because you want to keep looking at Jesus. You look at Jesus. You look at Jesus. The more you look at him, the more you become like him. The more you see the way he operates, the more it becomes your natural ability and your nature. The more you look at Jesus. That's why you got to read the scriptures. You got to listen to him, look at him and watch him. And the more you do it over and over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> and you see, 
The yoke is easy if you do that, but the flesh don't want to do it. That's the yoke. You got to look at Jesus over and over and over. And you know what? Then we struggle with our kids like they're rebellious and why? Wow. Why? Because you hadn't been showing them Jesus. In, in, in yourself, maybe. And you're not teaching them. And so we start to deal with symptoms. There's no foundation. So we have to build a foundation with our children. We have to build a foundation on the word of God in our life. How do you build a foundation of the word of God? You look at Jesus over and over and over. Well, I hope you get this picture. I don't feel like reading my Bible today. You need to look at Jesus. Well, I looked at him yesterday. You need to look at him again. <laughs> well, I looked at him this morning. You need to, before you go to sleep, look at him again. I'm telling you, you look at Jesus enough, you look better. You're a ugly thing. <laughs> you understand, the more we look at Jesus, the better we'll look. Watch him. Fix your eyes on him. Consider him. Isn't that good? Getting close. This is going to be the whole Bible school. This is a little Bible school taste right here. We're going to flow in the spirit. I have notes, but I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm going to need my students to receive. And I'm telling you, we're going to shake this church. Every time we do a Bible school, we have like 40 people. It's like when they walk in the service, it's like, It makes people uncomfortable. What's wrong with them? <laughs> but everybody's going to be in the school because we're going to do it Sundays, Wednesdays. But uh, we get drunk. I mean, eight hours of drinking. You know what I mean? Come on. No headaches. <laughs> You're not going to lose your car. <laughs> Nobody's going to key your car. <laughs> For though I am free from all men, free, come on, say that word, free. 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 That's right there. Free is liberating. I made up a word years ago, and I used it a lot. I called it liber free. That's a double dose of freedom. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. In other words, man, I'm just being used by God. I'm a slave to God. And whatever he wants me to do, I'm going to do it so I can help people. Isn't that something? So selfless. So not hung up. No intimidation, no fear. Just free. Free to be who you are in Christ. So the churches were being strengthened in faith. We're increasing in numbers daily. This is how it happens. We increase then everything increased. <laughs> you understand, when we increase, everything around us increases. 1 Corinthians 14, so also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. So in other words, we should be seeking after the gifts, coveting the gifts to grow the church. It's not for us. You understand, it's not for we to have a name or we to be known or look at him or look at her. It's that the church of Jesus Christ could grow and glorify him. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12, and 13. See, there's two drunks up here. They're con three. They're writing down every scripture. They're going home and drink again. Uh, there was a 6, 7. No. Uh, man. Gee. Come on. Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God. I mean, you are a thankful person when you are just listening to Jesus and how good he is. See, when you're doing this work in the spirit and the communication with the Lord, it don't matter what happens in the natural. It's like chicken wing. Y'all know what a chicken wing is? Ain't nothing on it. And so all of this stuff that weighs us down, it's really nothing on it compared to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects. See, this is, this is promises. There's so much in front of us. Don't get bogged down with circumstances. Don't get bogged down with some traumatic event in your past. Let it go. You know, I told y'all the story. A man owed me a lot of money years ago, and I decided one day I'm going to release him. I, I, but I had to release myself. He wasn't going to pay me, so I just had to come to terms with myself. Like, you know what? Either you're going to worry about all this money, and you're not going to go forward, or you're going to release him, cancel the debt, let him go, Release yourself and just put your hands on new thing and just prosper without that. So one thing you did in the past doesn't need to hold you back from what God has you to do in your future and what he has for you in your future. Just let it go. Don't carry no weight into tomorrow. Just let it go. Don't be ensnared by anything in your yesterday. Let it go. I got two more. But speaking the truth in love, we or to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. That's Ephesians 14, 15. And Matthew 5, 48. Therefore, you are to be perfect. Listen to this. Listen to this. Whining about who we are and nobody loves us. and I don't have any friends. and They will mean to me. And I'm not considered and recognized. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Oh, my God. I mean, why live down here when you can live up here? Why think like this when you can set your eyes on things above and be like the one that made you? Come on, somebody. So, I'm going back to my first scripture. This is it. For this reason, this is because Hebrews 2.1, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. So, you need to pay attention to what I told you today. And it's all over the Bible. I just, this is a minute part of the word of God that I gave us tonight. Didn't that help you? Do you feel better now than before you came in? It, it increases our vision and our hope. It strengthens our inner person. We have more confidence because we heard a description of who we are and how we can excel. 
For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what's being said. Hold it to heart, lest we drift away from it. That's it. <laughs> Who's going to toast to that? <laughs>